Well, Conrad, what a ride that was. Congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines for beating Alabama. What a game. Wow. We are recording this on December 15th. You are listening to us, our future selves, having enjoyed watching Michigan win the Rose Bowl. Gosh, I hope we don't eat our words here. (laughs) Boy, oh boy, can I wait for the LHLM hashtags about how Michigan sucks. And if we indeed lost, we will be wearing Alabama gear for our next recording. No, 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 no. Sorry. Let me be really clear. The Bart Sennard offer was to buy him a jersey from Alabama or for him to buy me a jersey from Michigan. I will never put that stuff on. No way. Okay. All right. Good clarification there, Conrad. (laughs) Well, what else are we talking about today? As usual, we are starting with the news brought to you somewhat by the FCC We're then going into a great segment on gifting. And finally, Guy and I are going to talk about our New Year's resolutions from the past, our New Year's resolutions for the future, and what you think you should be doing for your law firm. All right, Mr. Lockwood, hit that music. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice. Here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing and Happy New Year to you. Thank you for starting your New Year's with us. Let's hit the news. Coming out of the FCC and hat tip to my friend and someone all of you should follow if you are interested in the regulatory environment for digital marketing, John Henson. FCC has really closed loopholes on robo-texting, and this became a really, really big deal with Camp Lejeune. We will put a link to the release in the show notes. But it is quite interesting. The new rules make it unequivocally clear that comparison shopping websites and lead generators must obtain consumer consent to receive robocalls and robotexts one seller at a time, rather than have a single consent applied to multiple telemarketers at once. You know, there was a big push by third-party Camp Lejeune paper lead generating companies that really went afoul of this. And the FCC has finally made some pretty dramatic changes. So if you are in that space, this is something I really think you should be aware of and should be holding your marketing firm accountable to. Now, Guy, we are a technology podcast. Talk to me about print. It's coming back. Print. I would like to share the great legal marketing's hero icon letter in print in my hands. Really great publication. I encourage everybody to check it out. But as folks know, Great Legal Marketing, Ben and Brian Glass, they take contributors, lawyers, marketing people, and they put it in print form. Now, I got to tell you, it's great content. And the thing I like about it is they're going where in a lot of places, people be like, oh, print's dead. Not going to do, no one wants print. I don't want paper. One, there's something about the physicality of it, like the actual holding it in your hand. But beyond that, guess what? I get a dozen email newsletters. Guess how many print I get? One. Stands out. Anyway, Conrad, you hate print. I don't hate print. I will tell you this. My 
most aggressively growing clients engage in print advertising um, Boom, and, and this kind go. of newsletter approach. I hope it is not the foundation of your marketing, but if you're yeah, doing don't lots be the of other only things, thing. yeah, if it's the only thing we have a problem, but if you're doing a lot of other marketing things well, and I believe in the synergies of multi-channel marketing, print should be in your consideration set. And the, of course, like everything else, the content matters, right? If you just go and mail out some direct mail piece, no one wants that. You know, I think I just kind of brainstorming here, but like even doing this just at a local level, get local business owners to contribute stuff. Like you're basically a local business news kind of journal. That's a great way to stay top of mind. Anyway, good job, Glasses. For those of you who were wondering how long it was going to take for us to push the concept of marketing local, we are three minutes in and bing, bing, bing. There you go. Right. Zig while others zag. And now let's zig ourselves and take a break. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app. Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. All right, we are back and we are talking about a great topic and it's beginning of the year. It's after the season of giving. What an appropriate time to talk about gifting. Conrad, tell me what you know about gifting. Well, this segment was inspired by a box that was sitting on my doorstep when I came home from a trip meeting with lawyers. And I was about to throw it in the other pile of Amazon boxes that are now hiding in my closet from my children. But I noticed where it came from. This came from Benchmark Knives. And I was pretty sure no one was sending my kids a high-end pocket knife. And, and a lot of listeners might not know this, you're a huge high-end knife guy. I am. I love gear. I love outdoor gear. And Benchmade knives are, they are just kind of, they're special. They're special. Quick ad for Bench. I have one and now I have two because someone sent me a gift. And I, and I was looking at this and I wanted to make a couple of points about this gift. This was from Hunter Garnett, who I have spent some time with, but frankly, he owes me nothing. And one of the best things about gifts is when they are unexpected and unnecessary, right? And so, you know, we've just finished the typical giving season and you guys have sent fruit baskets. I think we've already bemoaned the fruit basket sending and the cookie sending if you're from Scorpion or whatever it might be, oh. because it's expected in December. We expect to get these gifts 
in December and they all kind of munge together and you can't remember if the pear came from, you know, Bill or if the fruit basket from someone else or the cookies or whatever it might be. You can't even else. find the gift I sent you. You can't even nah, find it. We don't even know true. where it is. <laughs> so for, for those of you who... So many gifts. It's in a pile of Conrad's gifts somewhere. We don't that, know. That I'm hoping... The coffee mug that I was giving Guy a hard time about is somewhere in my pile of gifts, and I'm going to open it during Christmas, and it'll be really awkward figuring out why Santa. Or sent- I sent a random lunch hour legal marketing mug to somebody who's like, <laughs> Very, "What the to my heck neighbor. is this?" <laughs> Anyway, my point here was this was unexpected and very unnecessary. There was no expectation. There was no agenda. This was just a thank you. The second thing about the benchmark knife is Hunter knows that I like this. We had had a conversation about whether or not sending a knife, a Benchmade knife, to people as a thank you gift made sense. He knows that I really, really like Benchmade knives. And so it was personal. It was personalized. And, you know, uh, Giftology is a book that if you haven't read, you should. But it's talking about personalizing the gifts to things. So this was very, very specific to something he knows I already like. The next thing that was awesome, and for those of you watching on YouTube, I'm going to share this with a camera. That's a nice knife right there. He customized the knife with the Mockingbird logo. It was not his logo, right? He didn't need me to remember him. But in fact, what he's done by putting something that matters to me on it is I will always remember where this came from. And I will always remember his magnanimity in doing so. So he made it about me. And that's really, really amazing. And the final thing on this that I think is, this seems like a petty point, but I don't think it is. Benchmade is not a, a run-of-the-mill knife. These are, frankly, there's no, there's no rationalization for a knife of this expense and this quality. Like It is just really, really over the top. And furthermore, if you really are into these knives, you will recognize, or whatever it may be, you will recognize quality within quality. The handle on this is Benchmade's carbon version. This is essentially the best thing that they make. And I know this because it's important to me and it's a little nuance of things, but it's important to me. But he also recognized that. So you were giving something really nice. And when I send scotch, there's a reason I don't send scotch to people in a plastic bottle, right? You're looking for higher end because people who appreciate scotch know the nuances of scotch. So this was a great gift. And I'm not just doing this in the podcast to thank Hunter, but I want you guys to start thinking about when I'm thinking about gifts, when we are personalizing things, how do we make these more impactful than the the box of pears and apples that everyone else sends as well? And think about this now, right? This isn't, yes. don't wait for the next holiday cycle season. Start thinking about how you're going to send these gifts. And again, I, I'm not saying it's this or swag, but I will tell you this. If I had to pick between the two, I would pick this gifting strategy again because people's budgets are different. And But I just think about all the, the swag stuff that people send out that ends up in the trash or whatever. You know, and look, there's some creative ones out there too. So some of you lawyers I know, you're like, I got the magnet on everybody's fridge. Great. But it is a different type of remembrance when it's a thoughtful, personalized gift that's out of the blue. You're not going to send it to everybody in your contact network, but how much are you mindful of that and managing that throughout the year, right? Do you have a calendar of gifting? Have you done the research to find the personalized gift for the people that you're going to do? I think that's a great, um, potentially could be a great resolution. 
You know what? I just realized I am wearing another personalized gift. For those of you checking this out on YouTube, I've got the Affinity Over Awareness shirt on. This was a thank you gift from Michael Mogul after I was on his podcast. And we talked about Affinity being better than awareness. Two weeks later, this shirt custom, I mean, it's got it's got their, uh, their, their, yeah. their logo on the sleeve, but like this is about what we were talking about, right? So these individual customized gifts are just so meaningful and, they and make I such didn't an get impression. one of those. So that think about how much more meaningful that is for you to get that because he didn't send me one. <laughs> well, this was from the one where I went solo with. <laughs> I know. I was just dear I was Michael. Just please send. He gave me a t-shirt. He gave me a t-shirt, <laughs> and I'm I'm grateful my my t-shirt. I got the game changer t-shirt. All right. When we come back, we're going to answer a question about SGE, and then we're going to get into our dismal failure of New Year's resolutions from last year. And we're back, and Conrad's in zero G. <laughs> All right, we have a question from Joseph Fantini about Google SGE. Joe Fantini from Rosen Injury Lawyers. I focus exclusively on nationwide mass torts. And my question for the lunch hour is, what is the long-term prospect of Google SE? And is that a long-term play, or is that just going to be something here in the short term? So he said SG, right? Yep. Search okay. generative experience. Yes. So context for folks that have no idea what this is. Uh, last spring. No, it's, it'll be a year. About a year, I think, at the end of December. That's when they officially said it was going to end. But for those that have opted into the experiment, if you go in, in the browser, they have a button that says, you know, generative experience results. And they use their AI and recently Gemini got integrated into Bard and this, all this stuff is like, how is this, what roles is going to play in search in the future? So that's what everybody's wondering about. And my quick opinion, then I'm going to turn it over to Conrad here, is that it's coming. I think it's in the results as we're listening to this on January 3rd. That's my, maybe that's a your, little bit of your a Your prognostication is that they're, they will have launched SGE on January one or two, and it will be widespread. Yeah, okay. I think okay. I I think they're feeling the pressure. I think they're feeling pressure to put it in to do it. Okay, so when you say they, so Google's feeling pressure from what? Why? Why do you think this is going live? Because they've been the PR story on their AI has been not great. It's cost them at least at one point it cost them some market share. I think they've recovered significantly from that. But I think a big part of the expectation is is that this AI stuff is supposed to make the results better. People are going to other places for search, right? We've seen the, the TikTok stuff's been going on, YouTube, I think, which is you know, it's a Google property. But the actual old school search results, I think Google is feeling the pressure to keep up. They got to up their game. And so that's why you're seeing this hidden gems update and it's trying to service more content. And you know all the forums and discussion sites have been percolating up. They're trying to make changes to the results to deliver better results. There's been bad PR around the results. All right, let me ask a question tactically for our listeners, Guy. If you are a listener to this podcast and you want to verify whether or not Guy is correct, how do you determine whether or not Google has widely rolled out SGE? Yeah, I think you'll know. If you've seen an SG, a search generative layout, especially in the context of like local, there's a lot of similar features, but you can tell the difference in the way that the results are like sourced is different and there's follow-up prompts. 
to ask different questions. So it's a, it's a much different experience. And, and that's the, so that's the question, right? So like Joe's question was long-term impact. I think, yes, huge long-term impact. I think particularly could be disruptive and local. And in fact, the near media, which by the way, we've talked about near media before, but the near media newsletter is a post news by uh, Greg Sterling, Greg, long time uh, journalist, long time local smarty guy. Their article, SG and 87% of local SERPs. You know, there's this question of whether or not you're just going to drive more clicks through local or whether it's going to impact both what's showing up in local and the user behavior from local. Yeah, I, I expect this to have a major disruption. Okay. I'll second that mainly because Danny Sullivan, We I think we covered this on the last pod. Danny Sullivan said, buckle up. Big changes are coming. He didn't talk about what those big changes are. But my read between those Google mouthpiece lines is that Guy is correct. So we'll find out. Go fire up Google, run a query, and see if that interface looks completely new to you. And if the answer is yes, SGE has hit the internet. All right, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions. And in the spirit of keeping ourselves accountable, Guy, we are going to recap what we did last year and review and see how we held up to our New Year's resolutions that we shared on the pod. Guy, what was your New Year's resolution you shared on the pod last year? And did you keep up with it? I am so embarrassed. <laughs> I said that I would do... A book a week, 52 books in 23. And honestly, this is a, not a great reading year for me. I've got probably like three open and maybe two or three finished. So far short of my goal. And here's the thing. I've had this resolution before this last year. And so clearly I lack accountability, which that's a lesson on resolutions, right? little foreshadowing from what might come up later in this episode I'm going to read mine to you directly. This is from the, the, the transcript of last year's New Year's Resolution pod. Number one, I'm going to do one needed project on my house a month. And it goes for everything from replacing drywall to my greenhouse needs a new floor. I'm going to do those things. And I'm going to put the list of 12 things in my wallet and check them off as we go. And how did you do, sir? There's still a hole in my fucking living room wall. <laughs> You had 12 to do, I, you I'm had probably, two articulated out of 10, and you're 0 for 2. You're 0 for 12. I'm pretty sure. So the funny thing is I have no idea where my little slip of paper is that I put in my wallet. Your greenhouse does not have a new floor. The greenhouse does not have a new floor, which meant okay. we did not plant in the greenhouse last year. And, uh, you know, we both failed here. Well, let me tell you one I delivered on. Okay. I promised to be a little bit more cynical. <laughs> that is true. In 23. And I'll let me tell you, actually, I don't even want to hear it from me. How do you think I did? You were great. I remember we've talked throughout the year of, of we've swapped. It used to be good cop, bad cop. I was the meanie. And now I'm like, I'm like the nice guy. You're making me look good, dude. How did I do as bad cop? The cynicism was very, very on the surface. And I, I loved you. every moment of it. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So we also did New Year's resolutions for our clients. Guy, can you go back to reminding people the New Year's resolution you prescribed for our listeners? 
Uh, yes, I suggested that folks do one short video on social media per day. Just one video a day. I say distribute it everywhere you are, but if that's too much of a challenge, you know, pick one. Um, and no, I'll no, no, you, hold I've on, seen... hold on. If you're going to do a video and you're yeah. in multiple places, distribute it everywhere. Otherwise, you're just Agreed. stupid. You're, you're well, lazy you know, and stupid. Again, I'm, no, no, I'm trying to be Wait, no, I'm trying to match your folks. cynicism. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, I want to be empathetic to folks that, you know, it's a labor to publish it across multiple platforms, especially if you're doing it native, which I recommend you do. Okay. So, anyway. Okay. My take is if you're going to take the time to do the video, take the extra 5% to push it on other platforms. It's 5% for you. It's not 5% for everybody. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about Were that. Were you telling me I'm great? Uh, no, it was more of an indictment on some lawyer's use of technology. Okay. All right. That's, that's fair. Right. Okay. Um, what do you got? What was yours? So mine and I, this was a really prescient recommendation. I think you should commit to and explore and evaluate one non Google marketing channel for your firm throughout the entire year. There were key elements to this. It's non Google. And it was something that you tried throughout the entire year. We just talked about Google and SGE and the reason they are really pushing a new experience because they're losing market share. And those of you who have not jumped on that wave of finding alternate places that people are looking for lawyers that do not start with a big G, you're missing out because it is happening. Yeah, I think both of our resolutions here have come true in 23. I think 100%. I've seen a lot more short form video and I've seen it in a lot more places. I've seen a lot more activity on YouTube I've seen a lot more activity on TikTok, of course, but um, and and lawyers using the platforms in different ways, right? Like folks getting smarter about paid social media buying. But anyway, so you know, non Google channels—that's where people are going. So that is that's true. That happened. Um, we also had a podcast. Oh, we did resolution. We did. What was it? What was the resolution for the? Do podcast, you remember Keith? what it was? I don't, and I didn't remember about the drywall either, but we did go back to the show notes. Our objective was to cross 20% growth in subscribers. How'd we do, Guy? We did excellent. And you know what I attribute a lot of that growth? We had 23% subscriber growth, which I think is very good. We achieved our objective. We almost set a new one this year. And how did we do it? By eating our own dog food, we went out on many more channels with social content. And that drove growth. And so I am grateful for our awesome production team because that matters too. The production quality, how you're distributing it, where you're distributing it, those do play a huge role. I think that's a, that was a big part of our growth. So there you have it. Our resolutions actually helping the podcast grow. Yeah, well done to the whole LTN crew. And you know, people often talk about starting podcasts, et cetera. There's a lot more behind this than you think to make it successful. And we, we had a really great year because of them. So much appreciated. Yes. All right. And now as we look forward, our new resolutions, we're going to do one for lawyers, a personal resolution, and a new one for the podcast. Conrad, what is your resolution for this year? I'm going to make unfriends with 30% uh -oh. of our listeners with my answer. And then we're going to give those 30% some advice. My answer is to stop hiring underqualified in-house marketing staff. 
But honestly, there are some firms who are making their hiring decisions based on the fact that someone is under 30 and therefore they must understand the internets. And they're putting these people in charge of tactical marketing and they're underqualified. And that is not the fault of the person in that seat. That is the fault of the person who put them in that seat. But there's a lot of, and I, I'm seeing, sorry, this is some frustration boiling over with personal Let experience. It Let it we're, out, we're, man. Yeah, I know. I should lie on the couch. You should talk to me that it's going to be okay. And, you know, it's going to we'll be okay. This out. But the problem is, Marketing is becoming increasingly complex. It really is. The technology is becoming increasingly fast at adapting to things. And there are a lot of people who are given the umbrella of running digital marketing, which is in hard in and of itself. If you're going to hire that one unicorn, you're hiring a $250,000 salary with 20 years of experience. Instead, you're putting, you know, Bill, who's been in, at the firm for four years and is a paralegal and you think he's going to do a great job on all of these different things because yeah, pay-per-click, it's just math and, and we can send out a newsletter and SEO is not that hard. We just have to write some content. Like it's increasingly hard. And you guys are, you guys are putting people in positions to fail because they're underqualified on that and stop doing well, that. I, I am going to offer a slightly different take on this resolution, which is... He's trying to maintain our listenership of the under 30 crowd, so... Yes, I am... Beep, beep, beep. That's us backing not up. Ju not just the under 30 crowd. There are plenty of excellent in-house marketers. And to those that find yourself in the situation that Conrad described, here's my New Year's resolution to you. Learn the math, right? Yes. What else? What would be the things that you would recommend that in-house marketers who are struggling in these areas should go and do this year? I The biggest failing that I see repeatedly, and this is not like, these are not one-offs. This is a pattern that people don't understand. And by the way, most of you, like, I'm just not talking about the in-house marketers. You lawyers don't get this either for the Some most agency part. people also, by the way. Most agency people don't understand this. Right. But let's focus on the in-house marketers. No, okay, for the in-house marketers, but for the lawyers and for any agency people listening who are unqualified to have your jobs, listen to this. Go away from the tactical shit. Like you can learn all the tactical stuff and Google makes it easy to learn how to run pay-per-click and they make their recommendations and you can do all these things. If you do not understand, really grok and understand the foundations of statistics, you have no business being a data-driven marketer. And by that, I mean... If you don't understand things like sample size or confidence intervals, right? Or what a standard deviation is. What if, if you don't understand what those things mean, when you're doing analysis, you're just reading numbers, right? And it's just arithmetic. And without the context of statistical foundations, you're really just reading numbers. And that is not analysis. And I, I know this is a patronizing Conrad has an MBA and he's proud of his statistics and la la la. But like you make bad decisions because you don't understand the statistics behind what you're doing and therefore your marketing and your firm suffers. So understanding the foundations of business statistics, you cannot do data-driven marketing without that. A hundred percent. Here's mine for the in-house marketers. And there's a couple different ways to solve the issue I'm about to describe. But you have got to be the person that is accountable 
for connecting the dots between marketing and business metrics. So what do I mean by that? If you're the marketing director, you've got to have a relationship either with, if it's uh, the partners at the firm, that whoever's running financials, if there's a CFO at the firm, you've got to be in close contact with them and you've got to be able to speak their language too. That's the part that's always missing. If there's always like, mm. you talk to a marketing director and they're like, front-end marketing metrics, and maybe they take it to qualified lead, maybe, but you got to carry that the whole way through. And so either you need to understand the tech to do that, like at a basic level, how to like, you know, work your stack, right? Or you've got to hire somebody who's going to implement that and you're going to manage the data coming out of that. But if you don't have that, and that's the part, we see this, I mean, I just talked to an in-house marketer the other day, you know, same issue. And so you're like, you're driving down the freeway at 120 miles an hour with not great visibility. And the dynamic that changes, you need to have, you need to be in a firm where you have an impact on the decision-making. And what what mm -hmm. often happens, and this is a failure of the partner or the law firm owner with marketing. If you are not speaking that same language, the business metric, the decisions never get made by the marketing person. If you can right. have that conversation and provide that data, the decisions happen either jointly with the owner and the marketing director, or the owner gets to a point, and we have clients like this, and this is the firms that really kill it, where the owner has confidence in the business metrics that are coming out of marketing and gets the hell out of the way and lets marketing crush it. That's right. a beautiful place to be. But most of you are putting someone without any power in this role who is underqualified tactically to do this role and who doesn't understand the business metrics and the statistics needed to get to statistically relevant business metrics in order to make your firm really, really successful. So this is a, it's a big role. It's a hard role and it's tactically difficult to do all of the things. But if you can nail that piece where someone has the intelligence and by intelligence, I mean business intelligence and the power and the accuracy to make changes that will change your firm, that is magic. That's a great thing to work towards. And if you're a newer marketing person in-house and you're looking, you want to grow your skill set, focus on these skills. This is where to go learn. Go learn CRM. Go yep. learn, you know, all the business metrics that the business people talk about. And then it's easy. Then it's easy to justify budget. It's easy to talk about why you have a role there. And you've got benchmarks in place, so you've got a good handle on visibility and, and forecasting for your future. So, He's right. Get deep, deep into the nuances of your CRM system, whatever that may be. Like, if you're going to learn one thing, don't get the surface level understanding of Lawmatics. Go deep. Go real deep and understand how it works and how you have it set it up because you're going to find interesting information within there. Okay. Guy, what's your personal resolution for this upcoming year? Man, I got to tell you, I'm going to do it again. I'm doing it again. 52 books. But this time, Conrad, you're going to hold me accountable. You want me to hold you accountable for 52 books. <laughs> so Guy's point here is that without accountability, uh, my drywall is still going to have a hole in it. That is a really big mistake that most people, including yours truly, make when they're thinking about resolutions. So I would say don't make a resolution for this coming year without some real accountability. And I think it's third-party accountability. We're clearly garbage at keeping ourselves accountable to these things. I couldn't even keep my list in my wallet. Well, which brings us, Conrad, to your 
personal resolution for the year? What is it? This is tough. I am going to try and work less. And I don't know how to look at that. I don't know how to quantify that. It's not a smart goal, but we've been busting our butt this year. And I am, I am trying to get my firm running with less Conrad work and more efficiency. So good that for is you. My, Love that, that one. That's my goal. Yeah, it's, that it's, is it's, not it's, what it's it hard. says in the show notes, though. <laughs> well, no, no. So this leads to what it says in the show notes. What it says uh. in the show notes, what it says in the show notes is Conrad needs to be happier, and the accountability coach is my wife. Okay, so that's that's some real accountability right there. Now you've just celebrated your twentieth <laughs> wedding anniversary, right? My twentieth wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And has your wife been your accountability coach this entire time? On the happiness metric? Yeah. She, I think your spouse is always your accountability coach, regardless of who you are, on your that's happiness true. metric. That's regardless, true. It doesn't, actually, even it doesn't even matter me. what the metric is. It doesn't no, no, matter what the right. metric is. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You want accountability? Marry up. Have a partner. Have a partner. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, what do we want to do with a pod this year, Guy? Well... I think we stick with the plan here. We did 23% in 23. Let's go for 24 in 24. All right. I like I like <laughs> where you are. You know, the math gets harder as that number gets bigger. That's, I've heard that. I've heard that before. And what is our plan, Conrad, to get to this amazing number? So we'll be launching the LHM newsletter and putting more Conrad and Gee in front of you in more different mediums. And this, I go back to this concept of we were really successful in pushing the pod through social. That really worked. Continuing to find different channels to expand your voice. And I'm, this is not a really subtle metaphor to what you should be doing for your law firms. Continuing to have multiple channels that are working together, you do end up with that awful MBA term that is overused, synergy. But it happens. And so the more we do on multi-channel to push out the pod, the more the pod will grow individually. Yes, and I agree. I'm really excited for this. We'll see how it goes. Got to have a hypothesis, but I love this idea of expanding a new channel. And I will tell you, lawyers, if you're not picking on the nuance here, finding ways to grow email lists and to send emails that have value for people. You know, whether it's something like we're talking about that Ben Glass does, even if that's digital, it's a really, really excellent tool for expertise, delivery, and staying top of mind. There's a bunch of lawyers on Substack. I think that's probably something to foreshadow or look at some of what they're publishing. But you know, those emails publishing on Substack, I think that's going to be more and more valuable as we move forward. Authentic writing. All right. Well, you've blown another hour with Conrad and Gee. This is the first pod you'll have listened to in the New Year's. Hopefully, Michigan came back from Pasadena victorious. And we will see you throughout the year in multiple mediums. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook LinkedIn and Instagram I feel like this is sideways That's just part of your shtick, man
I'm sideways. It's always a little bit like crooked. You're really? off to the side. You leave the screen. <laughs> if you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.